Back to the podcast, everybody. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. We are on episode seven already. I know, I cannot believe it. (laughs) Well, this is the River Heights Buzz podcast, everyone. Welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. And Miss Candace. <laughs> I cannot see your your pretty face. Oh, you can't? No. <laughs> Shoot. Hold on. How did I do this last time? Bear with us, everybody, with our technical stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if everybody knows this, but when we record, we actually um, do this on Skype. So we're actually video chatting. Um, so... In theory, we can see each other. Um, Camera button at the bottom, Candace. Well, it's... uh, Hold on, let's see. (laughs) The fun life of video chatting, everyone. I'm telling you, it's rough. Can you see me now? Yes, I can. Okay, cool. I don't know what happened. That was weird. Like, I could see myself, so that's why I was confused. We got it now. The bad part is, everyone, I'm married to a guy who does tech stuff for a living. And here I am, like, completely illiterate when it comes to computer stuff. Like, he tries to explain stuff to me, and I just, like, nod and smile. Like, I know what's going on, even though I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. We got it going now. Yes, we do. But actually, that's kind of funny because we're kind of switching gears a little bit this week, aren't we? Yes, we are. (laughs) What are we talking about today, Candace? (laughs) We are talking about, um, this is going to be the first time that we're going to talk about a Nancy Drew game. um, Because, and I don't know if I, if anybody saw this or if it was said or not, but um, we did not get a new episode of Nancy Drew this past week. Um, be, I assume because of the Thanksgiving holiday in America. I don't know. Um, I think there's, like a, there's a bunch of shows, too, like that didn't air anything, like new episodes this week, because of probably what I'm thinking, too, of the American Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's the only reason why I would think that that would be a thing. Um, so we decided instead of skipping a week that we would do something we had talked about doing from the beginning before we even started recording this um, was we had talked about not just talking about the actual television show, but talking about the computer games and maybe even eventually the books. So today we are going to again, go out of order and we're going to talk about game number five, which is the final scene. Yes. One of so, my favorites. And it's one of the, like, you know, game number five, still in the early stages, I guess you could say, of the games coming out, you know. Yeah. So. Here's me, a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind us. We'd like to we talk over each other sometimes. We do. It's just a, there's so much excitement. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you go ahead. It's okay, Candace. You go. <laughs> okay. So, in my opinion, and if you don't agree with that, totally fine. But I feel like, and even though there's such a difference between the very, very early games 
compared to like even a couple games later, I feel like games one through 10, at least in my eyes, are like the glory days of her interactive. It seemed like those were, those games were pretty good for like, yeah, for the early like 2000s. Yeah, that's that's what I think as well. I feel like when I think of the Nancy Drew games, I don't necessarily think of the newer ones. I think of the ones around this time period that really stick out in my mind, which for me, this was around the time period of when I started playing Nancy Drew. Um, This game, the final scene, came out in uh, late 2001. Um, So I, around this time, would have been... um, nine turning 10. Um, So yeah, that's around the time that I started playing these games. And so it really sticks out in my mind. And I don't think I necessarily have a top five list of games in my brain, like that I can think of it right at this moment. But if I did, this one would definitely be in it for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, you can definitely tell like, as time went on, like obviously the games have better quality you know, mm-hmm. because times change and everything. But it's still nice to go back and play, like, the early games just as, like, hey, like, bring me back in time. Like, this is what those days were kind of like. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I really feel like if you compared this game graphics-wise and even story-wise to, like, the first game, Secrets Can Kill, it's like a night and day kind of difference. Like with the graphics, you had more of the 2D kind of characters, whereas these characters in this game are a lot more 3D. Um, it was just a lot different. Yeah. And even like with Secrets Can Kill, it's like from the first version versus like the remastered version, they're t- like totally different, like yeah. visual aspects and everything. Yeah, but yeah, the, they but really the, are. But the storylines are pretty much identical, but there's like a slight difference between the two. Right. But we're, you know, (laughs) we're not going to go into Secrets Can Kill today. We will get there eventually. (laughs) Yes, we will. Absolutely. (laughs) So. Okay. So I thought uh, I did some online research and I'm going to, everything that I read or quote, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Um, So some of my information is coming from another Nancy Drew podcast, which is the It's Locked podcast, which is a great one if you all are in the market for listening to another Nancy Drew podcast. Um, Those two girls, Caroline and Emily, talk about the games, at least right now. I'm not sure if they're going to branch out into anything else, but they're just now focusing on the games. So I'm getting some of my information from them. And some of my information from other websites, but I thought I would start us out um, by reading a quick little synopsis that I found on um, the regular Wikipedia page for the game. So um, I will start with that. So Nancy Drew and her friend Maya Wynn are at the Royal Palladium Theater in St. Louis for the premiere of a new movie called Vanishing Destiny. Maya is set to interview the star of the film, Brady Armstrong, for her school's newspaper, but as Maya goes into his dressing room, she is kidnapped. Nancy has to race against time to find Maya and the kidnapper before the theater is demolished in three days. And this game came out November 1st, 2001. 
Yes. So that was like three, a little less than three weeks before my 10th birthday. Yeah. So just a, a little fast fact for you. Um, we will not disclose the, the bad guy till the end. So no, no, we'll, we'll keep it under wraps for sure. <laughs> so that's basically the synopsis. Um, we are with our friend Maya. Um, she's going to interview this um, movie star, Brady Armstrong, for her school's newspaper. She's a sophomore um, in college. So she's a little bit older than Nancy because I, I think Nancy is supposed to be like 18 years old in all the games. Um, so she's a little bit older. Uh, but I think the backstory is that Nancy and Maya went to school together, um, which this leads me into my first couple of questions about this game. And this is going to sound really critical of this game, and I don't mean it to. It's just I have questions <laughs> because I think about things too much, and then I fall down the rabbit hole, and there I am. Okay? So Maya and Nancy are friends. However, this is game number five. Maya has never been mentioned before this game. And to my knowledge now, I mean, I haven't played all of the games, but I have played most of them. She's never mentioned ever again. Like I've played pretty much all the games except for midnight in Salem. And I don't remember ever, ever hearing Maya mentioned after this game. Yeah. Neither like, do you, I. You only hear about like best George, Ned, you know, the main friends that you hear about but other than that like hardly like no one else really <laughs> no and if someone else is mentioned it's like a one game appearance and that's it yeah it would so. be kind of it would be kind of cool if like one of the if there's like more games that come out that it's just nancy and every single one of her friends team up and solve this big mystery <laughs> that would be really interesting i'd totally be into that for sure but you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So um, in the beginning part of the game, you know how it always starts out with Nancy writing a letter and that changes game to game. Sometimes the letter is to her dad. Sometimes it's to Ned. Sometimes it's to Bess. Sometimes it's to George. I think even one game was to Hannah. Um but uh, Nancy is writing her letter in the beginning and mentions that Maya has an interesting lead. And that's why they're going to the theater to interview Brady Armstrong. But this interesting lead is never mentioned again. And I'm very curious as to what that could have been. Yeah. And where did she get it from? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I understand she's a reporter. Um, and so she probably did some digging and research, but I mean, I feel like if you're associated with Nancy Drew, you're typically on the up and up and you're not like a shady person. Yeah. And Nancy's so, one of those, Nancy's one of those people that like you can trust with information. <laughs> absolutely. For so, sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. So. Maya goes into the dressing room. Nancy decides that she's going to wait for her out in like the lobby area of the theater. So she turns and she walks away. And then we hear Maya screaming from the dressing room. So of course we rush in there and Maya is gone. Where did she go? <laughs> Absolutely no idea at this point, but I also feel like it's kind of a stretch that 
Nancy immediately jumps to, oh my God, she was kidnapped. Now, like I said, she goes into the room and Maya's not there. But if I was in that situation, I don't know if my mind would immediately jump to, oh, she's been kidnapped. Like, I, I would just be like, where did she go? Like, is there some kind of secret passageway? Or maybe I wasn't paying attention and this wasn't the room she went into. I don't know. I just don't feel like me personally. I don't feel like my brain would have immediately jumped to, oh, my God, she's been kidnapped. And remember, everybody, this theater, there was tons of tons, tons, <laughs> tons of like magicians and tricks and everything going on in this theater. Right. So there is bound to be trapdoors, secret passageways, every like all these other magician type things. So, you know, there's tons of different probably tons of different exits to get out of that room. <laughs> right, exactly. And that that's actually a good point because that's something that we find out a little bit later on in the game is that the building itself was built or at least completed in 1925. Um, so, you know, in like the real world during the twenties and thirties and that time era, era, at least in America, um, that kind of performing was really big because it was like, I mean, we didn't have, you know, technology or anything like we have today. It was a completely different time frame. So it was more like the magician shows, um, silent movies, um, what they call vaudeville, which was like kind of like the silent movie type of entertainment. Um, you know, like the um, circus sideshows were big with like what they would call, and I'm going to use this in quotes, um, like freak shows. Um, things that were just not normal. That was the kind of entertainment that was popular in that time. So I absolutely agree with you that there most likely would have been many different en entrances and exits into every aspect of that building. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know about you, but whenever I was like going through those tunnels and stuff, half the time I was like getting lost. I'm like, where do I go? Like, how do I get out of here? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially the first time that I played this game, I got twisted and turned around quite a bit. Yeah. And so like I, I went down like the, I wanted to go down like one hallway, but then I went down the hallway at the, like the other end of the building. I'm like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> like I got to get myself turned around and yeah. the right way. <laughs> yeah. It was really easy to get lost. So... We're in the room looking around. We don't see Maya. And then the phone rings and we get a creepy message um, from uh, the supposed kidnapper. And how did the kidnapper get Nancy's phone number? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can tell if you're paying attention to that phone, you can tell that that's a phone that doesn't have an outside line. So it's coming from somewhere in the theater. Um, which is pretty creepy. But then again, there are lots of creepy aspects to this game. Yeah. So um, we get the creepy phone call. We hang up. We back around and we're looking around the room again. And then the phone rings again. And it's a character by the name of Joseph, who is the caretaker of the theater. Yeah. So... Oh. Nancy freaks out and tells Joseph what's going on. 
and he explains to her that she is on an inside line. So it the phone call that she had received before his phone call couldn't have come from anywhere but in the theater. So he tells her that he's going to search around and that um, they'll meet up and discuss what they find later. And so as she's hanging up, we hear the door open behind Nancy and in walks Brady Armstrong. Yeah. Who I have to say is so full of himself that I don't even know what to think about him. It's like he's quiet, but full of himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's very stereotypical. uh, I feel like early 2000s, late 90s actor type. Um, so it's kind of off-putting about somebody. It, yeah, it really is because it's almost like he thinks he's being like funny and relatable, but it's not coming off that way. Um, so again, Nancy goes through her whole story and let me tell you, this is one game where Nancy has her sassy pants on the whole time. (laughs) And it's almost like she feels, I think part of it is because she's, feels like in a time crunch too because she only has three days to like find Maya before the theater gets demolished (laughs) right right like she goes from zero to a hundred like right away um she's very personally attached to the case like you said just because it's her friend that was kidnapped and yeah she's on a time crunch I mean three days and that building is going to be rubble So she's got to get her wits about her fast to figure out what's going on. So she has the full conversation with Brady. He's no help. Big surprise. So we walk around um, and we end up going to the other dressing room and we meet, um, I guess for lack of a better word, Brady's agent, Simone. I didn't get a good vibe from her either. No, I didn't either. Um, she's a piece of work and that's putting it nicely. Yeah. Um, talk about sassy. Yeah. She's like the <laughs> definition of sassy. Oh man. She's so like... she has like no time for Nancy. No. She's just so. hanging around, sitting pretty, making her phone calls. And, like, she just has, like, what, a minute or two to talk to Nancy, answer her questions about stuff that's going on. And then she's like, no, see you later. Bye. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. She, like, dismisses us and is like, oh, okay, cool. Fine. I'll talk to you later. I have more important things to do. Yeah. So um, she dismisses us. We go into the hallways and now it's time to do one of my most favorite things and just explore the space. Um, One of the things that I really enjoy about this um, particular game is all the things that they have on the walls in the hallway. Um, There's a lot to look at and a lot to read. And I really like that they brought Harry Houdini into this game, who is as I assume most people would know a real life figure. Um, I don't really think that happens very much in Nancy Drew games. Uh, A lot of the stuff in the games are fictionalized. So every once in a while they'll sneak in something that's like real. And I thought that this was like the perfect scenario 
to do that. It's always nice to see when like they the her interactive like sprinkles in like real life people or events that happen yeah. instead of just like being the fictional stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while they'll they'll put some real stuff in there. So that's always fun. I enjoy that. Um Me too. <laughs> So every time I play this game, I spend a lot of time reading everything even though every single other time I play the game, I've read the stuff. I still just enjoy it that much that I go through and read it all again. Um yeah. So we're walking down the hallways and then we decide, well, our friend has been kidnapped. We probably should call the police. So, is, isn't it like 24 hours usually? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we make our way into like the main lobby, which is where Nancy was going to go anyways, before Maya ended up being kidnapped. And we make it to the ticket booth and that's where the telephone is in this game. Cause we don't, this was before, you know, the age of us having a, a cell phone in the game. <laughs> Say hello to the, was it the rotary phone? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Or like the old time phone. Yeah. Which you don't hardly see anymore. Hey, I've, you know, my grandma had a rotary phone in her basement and I know, and I know how to use it too. <laughs> Actually, it's really funny that you say that because one of my grandmothers had the exact same thing in her basement. And it was my favorite thing to do was to go to that basement and play with it. I feel like we're really aging ourselves here, though, by saying that. <laughs> well, you know, like it's true, though, like kids nowadays, all they know is like I like smartphones, iPhones, you know, that whole thing. They don't yeah. know like these older kinds of phones. Yeah, you know? no, they don't know the struggle that we had, um, you know, growing up and being on the computer and like my mother needing to use the telephone. So I had to get off of the computer because we had dial up Internet and you couldn't be <laughs> on both at the same time. It was one or the other. Yeah. So and I feel like that would be like a nightmare scenario for kids these days. Like, oh, my God, I can't be on the phone and on the Internet at the same time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will say like every house should have like a landline that's you know just in case like the power goes out and you still have a working phone yes exactly I agree because I feel like a lot of people don't realize that even if your electricity goes out your phone is still going to work yeah like <laughs> I mean that's one good thing about landlines yes just a tip from us to you listeners <laughs> yeah so write it down you never know when you might need that information in the future. Yep. We're informative some of the time. Some of the time. I mean, it's not just always Nancy Drew. I mean, 99% of the time it is. But every once in a while, you might get like a real life fact from us. Yeah, it's like, was it last week or a couple of weeks ago we talked talked about MapQuest <laughs> today? Exactly. Today we're talking about phones. <laughs> once again, just like I said, aging ourselves, but it's fine. <laughs> it's so, all good. <laughs> it is it is this it was part of our past and part of our history and there you go i'm not gonna let it die nope <laughs> so speaking of phones we call the police and we end up talking to the missing persons unit and the police officer's name is sergeant ramsey and i don't know if you got the same vibe that I did, but he was so uninterested in Maya being missing. Yeah. 
It was it, almost like talking to a wall. It's like he didn't care. At no, all. at all. Like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. What else do you have to be doing? Like, this is your job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, boo. Yeah. <laughs> stop, like, stop being uninterested. Yeah. Like, ridiculous. So we get off the phone from him after he tells us that, you know, he's not going to send anybody out because she hasn't been missing for 24 hours. Okay, cool. So again, the situation of we have to hurry up and wait. So we get that terrible news. We leave the room where the telephone is, the ticket booth, and we meet another character, Nicholas Falcone, who immediately assumes that Nancy is just like any other teenager and really, she, he talks down to Nancy. Like she's yeah. just, you know, whatever, some dumb kid. And he thinks he's like all high and mighty. He does. He really does. And that was something that I was thinking about because, you know, his character is affiliated with this um, group that I don't know if it necessarily said that he created it or if he was just part of it, but um, the acronym for it is Had It humans against the destruction of illustrious theaters. So he's like the political activist type, which in today's world would be super topical and super relevant. But back then, like I said, I was a little kid when I played this game. I was almost 10 when it came out, but I probably didn't play it until I was like 11 or 12. Everything he was saying went totally over my head. Had no idea. Like that's the thing, like between games and stuff when we were kids, when we played it, Versus now when we play it, mm-hmm. like, we can t- tell, like, the difference. Like, hey, like, this isn't a, the greatest way to go about things. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was oh. just completely over my head. But now playing it, it's almost like an entirely different experience listening to what he was saying now. Um, I mean, he made some valid points. And like I said, very relevant for today's world, at least. Um, might have been a little ahead of his time back then, but I mean, he, like I said, he made some good points about how, you know, all these big businesses don't care about like the history of things and how, you know, the local historical society was trying their best to make it a landmark, but they have hoops that they have to jump through too. And it's this whole political thing. And I could see how that would go over kids' heads, but it was actually a really interesting character to put in this game. Yeah. It's all, it's nice to see like obviously different characters and like what they're passionate about, even Mm -hmm. though it's not always like the best way to go about it. (laughs) Right. Right. So we talked to him. Um, We learned that he's like a hardcore activist, that this is his thing. He's into these old theaters. He travels around the country, supposedly, and demonstrates at these other um, historical theaters and buildings that are, you know, potentially going to be torn down. And he does his best to save them, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that kind of overarching idea, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, as long as you're not breaking the law, (laughs) get the point across. Which is questionable for Nick. Um, (laughs) You know, being so passionate about something like that, you know, it's admirable, really. Yeah. 
so we learn a little bit about him and then it's yeah. back to exploring a little bit. Um, we eventually find this basement area of the theater, which was super creepy. <laughs> yep. Very creepy. Really added to the vibes of the theater, in my opinion. Um, and we come across a kind of mini game with the, um, I think it was called the Amazing Monty. Or, that or like, Amazing Miles or something? Something like that. Um, and yeah. it's like a, almost like a ventriloquist dummy kind of thing, which side note for me, terrifies me. I hate <laughs> dummies like that. I don't like dolls. They freak me out. Um, <laughs> so this one was tough for me. So um, we have to find the ace of spades. And when we do that, we actually win a little magic trick, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's actually like a real kind of magic trick. Like I've seen videos of people doing a very similar trick where it's like a ring that you put on and you put like a piece of paper through the ring while you're wearing it. And it like sparks somehow. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I've seen videos of it. So I know it's a thing. Yeah. It's like, it was a kind of like a cool thing to see, but it like, it did seem creepy. Yeah, like it wasn't my most favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't know if did you ever play the game twice? I played it like earlier this year, and I had played it like a few years ago, so it was like a bit of time, like between plays. Okay, so I don't know. This might be an Easter. I guess you could say this would be an Easter egg. I guess. Um, but when you're in the basement, if you go and you play that game twice with the dummy, like you, you play it the first time and you win and you get that little magic trick. If you go to press the button to play again, the machine breaks. I think I, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. And it's terrifying because like his jaw like unhinges and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have a nightmare because of this. <laughs> it freaks me out that much. Like. Dummies really bother me. But anyways, that's, you know, a side point. Um, <laughs> it just adds to the creepy vibes of the theater, um, which is perfect for this game. Um, so <laughs> we get this magic trick and we kind of um, go through the rest of the basement and are looking around and we make our way to um, like a, an interior wall. And there's like, a safe in the wall. And once yeah. we get that open, of course, the bane of my existence, a slider puzzle. <laughs> like those kind of puzzles hurt my brain. I don't know about you. Sometimes it depends on like what, how the puzzle is, you know, like sometimes it's like easier than others. Right. Other, right. Time, other times it's like just a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like sometimes it's harder for me than other times. And I also feel like this, like these early games kind of favored slider puzzles. Because I think the first couple games in each of them, there was at least one. I think so, yeah. Which at that point, I mean, if you think about, like he's, like we said, that time period, late 90s, early 2000s, those kinds of puzzles, I'm sure were probably easier 
to animate than like the more advanced puzzles later on in the later games. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, you know, every, like every game and every like time period of the games, like they favor like certain things over others. Right. Right. So, it's kind of like it goes through phases with these games. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll get to that as we talk about more games. <laughs> um, so once you solve the uh, slider puzzle, it opens up. It's like a box and it opens up and you find a key, which, of course, we'll have to use later. We don't know what it's to yet. And you find um, like a, a typewritten letter uh, from the owner of the theater, J.J. Thompson, to Harry Houdini. And so what had happened was back in the mid-1920s, like I guess around the time when the theater first opened, J.J. Uh, Thompson, who built the theater, um, was really into magic shows and magic tricks at that time. So he had invited Harry Houdini um, to come to the Royal Palladium Theater and to do some shows, including one um, like death-defying trick um, that included water. And so J.J. Thompson thought that this trick was like inescapable. And so because he thought that he was going to be able to kind of best Harry Houdini, he put up supposedly a $50,000 prize if Harry could escape. $50,000 in those times was a lot of money. Actually, I'm curious now. (laughs) I want to (laughs) know how much that would have been. $50,000, $50,000 in 1925, what that is worth today. Okay, according to Google, which Google knows everything. (laughs) So $50,000 in 1925 is equivalent in purchasing power to about, here we go, $790,000. Two hundred and fifty-four dollars and twenty-nine cents. Wow! In today's <laughs> money. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> let's see. So it also says the dollar had an average inflation rate of two point nine two percent per year between nineteen twenty-five and two thousand twenty-one, which would produce a cumulative price increase. Of almost 1,500%. Jeez. Holy crap. So, in summary, almost $800,000 in American dollars today. (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of money. So, (laughs) J.J. Thompson, the only reason why he put that money up is because he thought that it was inescapable and that Harry would fail. Well, as it turns out, Harry did not, and he was able to escape. Yeah. So this brings about the problem that J.J. had just built this theater. I think it had cost more than he thought it was going to cost, and he didn't have $50,000 to give him. Yeah. So what do you do? (laughs) He had no other options except speaking with his attorney and writing up a contract to essentially make Harry Houdini his partner, his business yeah. partner, 
and give him 50% ownership of the theater. Like, so. I think a lot of people are like that and they don't realize how much time and effort and money go into like building like a, like a workplace or like online, you know, nowadays like online businesses and that right. whole thing. And there's right. like so many different aspects that go into making a business or a company or whatever it is. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, perfect example of this is you and I jumping headfirst into doing this podcast. Neither of us had any idea what this kind of work entailed. Now we both do this, you know, just as like a side project because we're having fun. We're friends talking about Nancy Drew. And I mean, when I first started talking to you about this, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> How much <laughs> research it takes, time and effort to not only film the episodes, but to, you know, try to engage with people on social media, making these posts. Um, you know, we just made this new Facebook group, which we will also plug that at the end of this episode. We'll remind you all. But it, this is that's just a really good example of when you start some kind of endeavor, like starting a business, opening a theater, starting a podcast there are so many moving parts to it I know it's like going off of that too I'm like when I first started like thinking about doing a podcast I'm like huh, it's just gonna be like a piece of cake you know walk in the park no big deal and then as time went on I'm like uh there's a lot more things that go into making a podcast than just like having like doing recording the episodes making posts Ta-da! Like, that's it. But, like, no, there's, like, whole, all these different steps and all these different things out there to go into making the podcast. Yeah. And, like, there's and, you know, so many things. And, honestly, I'm so glad that we're in the same boat, learning all this stuff together, you know. And, and two, we've had shout-out to our friend Megan, who some of you know is Nancy Drew Collector on Instagram. Yeah. With her mystery boxes. Hey. <laughs> yes. Great. Um, so, and she's like helped us so much, like throughout this whole like learning process, and it's yeah. been so helpful to us. So, thank you, Megan. <laughs> yes. Shout out to Megan. She's awesome. Oh, and while we're thinking about it, if you would, she is going to do the mini mystery box Christmas. The Christmas box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so stay tuned for more details on that. <laughs> yes, we will be bringing you more updates about that. Um, if not, within, definitely next week. Yes. So hopefully she can send it to you in time for Christmas. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so let's see where we're at. Um, so uh, JJ Thompson no longer is the full owner of the theater. Um, half of the theater now belongs to Harry Houdini since he couldn't pay him. Uh, we learned that from the information that we found in the basement. Um, and once we find that out, we go and we find Nick in the lobby again and tell him about it. And then we kind of learn a little bit about Nick's 
um, personal background with the theater and why he is so interested in these um, old buildings is because his grandmother actually was responsible for the inner architecture and the plaster work in the theater. So it holds a special place to him in his heart um, because it was actually some of the last work that his grandmother ever did. Yeah. It's like, I could, I could see why he would want to like keep the building intact. Yeah. And it's, you know, it almost like breaks his heart in a way because it, when the building does get torn down, it's like, I'm not able to see this anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That so. memory is gone. And, you know, I'm a pretty sentimental person myself. So I totally understand that. Um, and it doesn't surprise me when he is telling Nancy about this, because like I said, we had just learned that, you know, JJ made this bet and he didn't have the money to pay for it. Um, so it totally makes sense that he didn't have money to pay for, you know, some of the interior work that was done. I mean, all of that lines up and it makes sense. Yeah. Oh man, don't bite more than you can chew people. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, yeah, that's a Just great to... quote to live by <laughs> <laughs> and very, very relevant for this game. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So we learned that background and we end up going back up into the projector room and we talked to Joseph um, the caretaker and further explain kind of what's happening that Maya is gone, that um, we've called the police and they are not willing to do anything until Maya has been missing for 24 hours, which again, I understand it sucks when you're in that position and you're trying to find someone and you're stressed and you're having to wait. But I understand again, from the other side of the coin, you know, the police can't go after every single person um, just because they might not all be kidnappings. Like, you know, people can just take off and start a new life and uh, not want to be found and it not be a crime. So I, I see both sides of it. Yeah. There's like so many different reasons why people like take off or disappear, you know, exactly. and it's, they may not always want to tell other people that they're close to like what's going on. Right. So. Right. And that's okay. I mean, is it tough? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, sometimes you're just going through things and it might seem like the best idea to just start over and you know, that's okay. So and, we're explaining and, that to, to Joseph. Yeah. And um, we learned that like I had said earlier that the theater was completed in 1925, but that there was a remodel of the building that was done by um, JJ Thompson's children in 1956. Yeah. It seems so, almost like, and wasn't is Joseph's brother part of the theater as well, I think, or like someone in his family. I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I believe so. Um, so Nancy then asks um, if there are blueprints for the theater, because, you know, she's gotten this information from the police. They're not going to help. 
until later. And so Nancy has to take matters into her own hands. And so she's trying to find blueprints or maps of the theater layout. And Joseph says that um, she should call the county administration um, for that information. So that's what we go and do. Yeah. It's like, I feel as though half the time people in this game are like not so helpful. Yeah. It's kind of like passing the buck, you know, and like, Oh, just go and talk to this person. Cause I, you know, I can't help you with that. Whatever. Move on. <laughs> so <laughs> that drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. But that is something that happens a lot, not just in this game, but in other games too. Yeah. So we go and we contact the county administration. And I didn't know if you knew this or not, but the girl that we talked to at county administration, her name is Madeline. The girl that voices her is the same girl that voices Simone. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> well, there you go. There's your fact of the day. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And she comes back in um, other games and she voices other characters uh, and this is actually something that I learned from the It's Locked podcast. Um, she also voices uh, Professor Hotchkiss, Ooh. who is another, I think, fan favorite. I think she's probably one of the favorite characters, like, across the entire Nancy Drew game universe. Yeah. So. Oh, the, the 50 chicken leg drumsticks. 50 drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> Treasure in the Royal Tower, another classic game. We'll get to Professor Hotchkiss and all that stuff when we get yeah. to the Treasure in a Royal uh, Treasure in a Royal Tower. Yes, we will get there eventually. <laughs> yes. So, um, like I said, we call County Administration and we speak with Madeline, and she actually tells us that the original blueprints are missing. Shocker. A, of course. Mm hmm. So because um, Nancy had called over there to see if there was any way she could get the blueprint sent over to her at the theater. And, you know, Madeline said, no, that that's, you know, county information that has to stay there. But that Nancy could go and, and view it in one of their viewing rooms, which I get. I mean, that that makes sense. Like if you go into that kind of an office, um, yeah, you can look at information like blueprints and things of that nature because that's all public information, but it doesn't surprise me that you're not allowed to take that information outside of that building. Yeah. It would have come in handy if she actually had like a cell phone that could take a picture of the blueprint. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but again, I mean, you got to think 2001. I mean, yeah. cell phones existed. Yeah. But, you know, they, not like today's cell phones. Yeah. And it's like, being, I read this thing like on Instagram and it was like, when we were kids, photos were like actual photos put in a photo album, grainy. And versus nowadays, pictures are clear and more so on your phone than in an actual photo album. Right. So, you know. <laughs> right. How times have changed. Exactly. So... Like I said, we learned that the blueprints are missing. So now Nancy is just back to talking to everyone and making sure that she has all the information that she can uh, from everyone. And so one of the things that she asks Joseph 
is what his plans are since he was the caretaker of the theater, what his plans are once the theater is demolished. And he tells Nancy that he is going to meet his brother, Jake in Arizona and um, that they are going to open a movie theater together there because the town that his brother lives in doesn't have a movie theater. So, I mean, you know, that sounds nice. Yeah. does, And it, it almost is more sentimental because it's like brothers doing it together. Right. Rather than just like friends doing it or like just two random people. You right. Know? So. So at this point in the game, when I'm first playing it for the first time, I have absolutely no idea who I think is the culprit here. Because um, we're getting all these like mixed clues and mixed signals because it's like Joseph is talking about his brother and is going to start like a family business. And then we learned Nick's backstory with his grandmother doing the plaster work. And then we've got Brady who is full of himself and kind of an idiot, honestly. And then Simone who is a jerk. So it's like, hmm. anyone is like a viable bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, I really don't know who to trust in this scenario. So um, we talked to Nick again, and he decides he's going to go and do some research to see if he can get in touch or get any contact information for any potential owners of the theater or someone who could have been affiliated with any of the owners of the theater. So he disappears for a while, and then we can kind of look in his area and learn a little bit more about... um, had it his organization that he's affiliated with um and then uh the next thing that triggered for me was joseph's voice coming over the pa system saying to come into the projector room that he has something that he has to show nancy so we go up there and he has maya's press pass that she was wearing How did he get that? (laughs) Yeah, I was very interested in that. And so that's one of the first things that Nancy asks is, how did you find it? And Joseph just says that Brady found it. And so we decide that we need to go and call the police because this could be potential evidence that, you know, Maya was here. Now she's not. Um, So we got to let the police know. So like when... Joseph said that Brady found it. I didn't really believe that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was I was kind of confused by that. And so I kind of was like, okay, that, that's going to go in the back of my brain. Let's go and call the police and see if we can get them up there. So that's what we do. Um, we go and we talk to Sergeant Ramsey again. And big surprise, he doesn't care again that we found the press pass because he says, oh, she could have just thrown it or, you know, dropped it on purpose, that doesn't necessarily mean that she was kidnapped. And of course that sends Nancy over the edge. Like, I don't think people that are associated with the press or any of those kinds of like jobs would just throw their pass just because they want to. Right. And that was the point that Nancy made was that, you know, yeah, Maya's a teenager, but she was very serious about her role in working on the school newspaper, and she wouldn't have done that. Um, and, yeah, Nancy could be telling the truth about that, but how is Sergeant Ramsey going to know that? 
I mean, he's yeah. talking to a teenager himself who is very obviously upset and easily excitable in this moment. So, yeah. you know, he has to kind of put his foot down and say, that's not good enough. Yeah. So again, um, the police says it's going to be 24 hours before they can send anybody out. And so we hang up with him kind of dejected, walk to the door to go outside of the ticket booth and freaking jump scare. <laughs> Joseph <laughs> pops up and he's like, I heard the whole thing. And then we fade out of day one and into day two. And what happens on day two, Candace? What do we end up seeing? <laughs> okay. So day two, it totally took a turn from what I thought was going to happen. So we are back in the lobby and in the corner, there is a big funeral wreath. <laughs> what? And I'm like, okay, that's not what I thought I was going to see. No, that was total, totally like unexpected. Yeah. So my first instinct is to go upstairs to the projector room and try to find Joseph. And as I hit the door for the projector room, there's a missing poster that's posted on the door that has the information about Maya on it, but also has a picture of Brady on it. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, Simone has to be behind this because I'm sorry, Brady's too dumb <laughs> to do this himself. Yeah. There is no way he would come up with that idea and be like, oh, hey, let's make these posters, these missing posters to see if we can find Maya. No, it, it, it's definitely Simone that had her thing made the posters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and also there was a little um, section on there. I don't know if you noticed it or not, where it had where you could contact Simone and she was listed as the head of publicity for the National Find Maya campaign. Are you kidding? Really? Like that's just full of baloney. <laughs> uh, absolutely. This happened the day before. There's no way you're going to start some organization in one day. Totally made up, but okay. And if anyone was to be in charge of that, it should be Nancy and not Simone. <laughs> exactly. Because Nancy actually cares. Simone yeah. is doing this for the publicity, 100%. Yeah. So we go up there and we talk to Joseph. He's really angry about the wreath. He has no idea who did it, but has his suspicions. He thinks it's Simone. Um, and he also mentions that the media keeps calling, which is probably also because of Simone. Mm -hmm. All makes sense. Um we find out that Simone had canceled the premiere, which was the whole reason why Brady Armstrong was at that theater was for the premiere of his new movie, Vanishing Destiny. Um, I mean, bottom line, she only cares about getting him press, which I guess makes her a good agent. I mean, she doesn't go about it the right way by any means, but I mean, at least she's like working for her client. So I guess you can see a silver lining in that, but she's just a horrible person. Yeah. And like, go about the wrong way. Some people are like, I want that person to work for me and be like my manager, publicist, whoever. And I'm like, I do not want that person doing all my stuff for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, like, nope. 
Exactly. Not my favorite person in the world. See you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So we talked to Simone a little bit more and she starts trying to come up with stage names for Nancy because she says that in her opinion, Nancy Drew is such a, a forgettable name. Yeah. Okay. Not in the real world, but okay. Okay. Started from the bottom and now we're here. Exactly. <laughs> Look where she so, is now. Yeah. She's big news, but okay. Keep dreaming, Simone. Simone is like, is like past news. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> so once uh, Nancy has that conversation with Simone, we also learn how she discovered Brady and he apparently one day was working at an all beef hot dog stand and Simone bought a hot dog from him. And I guess, you know, from his look thought that maybe he could act and she signed him as a client and the rest is history. Um, which leads us into Nancy now starting to ask everybody their whereabouts during the time period of when Maya was kidnapped. And Simone says that she was on the phone. No surprise there. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, I mean, she's on the phone the whole time. Every time you go and try to talk to her. Yeah. And it's like, she so. doesn't want to answer any of Nancy's questions. Exactly. Like, can you so, please just put the phone down for like five minutes just to talk to us? <laughs> exactly. Cause we have important questions and we need to know information. So that's her story and she's sticking to it. So we go and we ask um, Joseph what he was doing. And he says that he was practicing his MC voice during the kidnapping, which makes sense because if you think back to the very beginning of the game, you hear his voice over the PA system. So that checks out. But the question is, is that his real, is he really doing that or is it a fake thing just exactly. to throw us off? Exactly. <laughs> Which when you think about for Simone, was she really on the phone or was she just pretending to be on the phone? Like, how are you going to know? You're not going to. <laughs> so then we find out, we go and we talk to Nick and we find out what he was doing and his story was that he was outside with the people that are protesting with him. Okay. Again, we were not in the lobby to see if he was actually in there or not. We weren't outside. So we don't know for sure if that's true or not, but that's his story. It's like none of these alibis, like we don't know if they're concrete or not. No, we don't. We don't. And there's not really a way that her interactive gives us to do fact checking on that. We kind of just have to take that for their word and just kind of go with it. Um, we find out that during that time that Maya was kidnapped, that Brady was actually at a hair appointment, which I totally believe that one. And he finds out that his hairline's receding. <laughs> so essentially he's losing his hair. I Which that would be a catastrophe for an actor. I understand that. Well, hey, some actors can rock the less hair look. I mean, yes, you're you're totally right. But now that if you think about that and you actually look at the way that his character is drawn, you can totally see that the hairline is starting to disappear. 
And so do you his story like, is the one that I believe like wholeheartedly. And like even later, remember in um, the Curse of Blackmore Manor, we see the poster in Jane's bedroom of Brady with one of his other movies, and his hair almost looks the same. Exactly. Yeah, he looks very similar. <laughs> Anywho, so, like we're talking about like mentioning all these other games that we haven't even like gotten there. Yet. I know. I know. We'll get there eventually, though, for sure. Yes. Jumping ahead. <laughs> so now we have the alibis of everybody for what they were doing during the time that Maya disappeared. So, and alibis in quotations. Yes. <laughs> so let's backtrack to when we were talking to Nick because um, Nancy confronts Nick for some of his tactics that he has pulled with the police, and that apparently he was part of another girl that went missing um and that later on they were found together um she wasn't hurt or anything like that but nancy just essentially says hey the police told me this about you and it really looks suspicious and of course he denies it what else is he gonna do i mean yeah but we also find out that he was actually successful in doing his research that he had talked about earlier and he found the phone number for a relative of Harry Houdini. Um, so this is one of my favorite characters in the Nancy Drew universe. Um, her name is Eustacia Andropov. And she was actually Harry Houdini's cousin by marriage through her husband. So I guess her husband and Harry were cousins. Um, so we get some information from her. Because we're trying to figure out, you know, what happened to Harry Houdini's half share of the theater when he passed away. Because he passed away very shortly after getting that half of the theater. Um, so Eustacia then puts us in contact with Sherman Trout at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. <laughs> who is the character. And I think I'm going to blow your mind with this information. Did you know that the guy who voices Sherman Trout is actually the guy who voices Ned in this game? Huh. If you know. listen really, really closely, because Sherman talks really slow. If yeah. you listen closely, you can hear Ned in it. And, like, I could tell even, too, in... Um... With Charlie in Game Three, Message in a Haunted Mansion. Yes, that that's also Ned. Yes. Yep. Like later in the game. Yes, actually, I think that third game is the first time that that voice character actor does Ned because I think it was different people who did it in the first and the second game. It's like all these different characters playing like the main characters that we know. And then slowly it's just like it switches to one character and they just stick with that same like person for like almost like I feel like the rest of the games. Right. Well, and I think that they did that with the first couple of games where they were just I think they were just using who they could find because her interactive was a very small operation and I think it still is. But 
they were starting this business. They were putting out this first game. They didn't know how it was going to go. So I could see them and it makes sense not wanting to drop a whole lot of money into, you know, a lot of different voice actors if it wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. Makes I sense. mean, that totally makes sense. Cause from a business aspect, you don't know if that money that you're spending is going to come back, if you're going to break even, or if you're going to make more money or if you're going to lose money. Yeah. So you have to make smart financial decisions, especially in the beginning when everything is still kind of up in the air. Yeah. So I totally get that. But yeah, I didn't know if you knew that Sherman Trout and Ned were voiced by the same person. (laughs) (laughs) No, did not know that. (laughs) I learned that part from Wikipedia. (laughs) The things you learn. I'm telling you, I fall down the rabbit hole and I find out all kinds of information. And then there you go. (laughs) So that was just me trying to enlighten everybody. So back to the We're we're so informative tonight, Candice. I'm telling you, I I mean, I'm trying to just give everybody little bits of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) We should have a segment. It's like wisdom with Candice. We should do that. We'll do that next week. I like that. Let me write that down. Wisdom with Candace. Okay. I'll work on my wisdom for next week. Okay. <laughs> Who knows what it's going to be. So we call Sherman at the Library of Congress and we find out that um, Eustacia was really helpful when the Library of Congress was putting together their collection of Houdini like I guess for a lack of a better word, memorabilia. Um, for those who are not inter- are not um, familiar with the Library of Congress, it is like a national run, um, kind of like archive uh, research kind of um, scenario where um, historians and researchers and I guess archivists, if that's a word, um, gather um all kinds of different information and compile it into one place, um, you know, just for future generations. So um, like we said earlier, Harry Houdini was a real life person. And um, so all of his information, like his biographical information could be found at the library of Congress and where um, Eustacia was married to his cousin. She was super helpful in getting the library of Congress, all the information about Harry. So Nancy contacts Sherman to see if he can send her anything um, about the uh, ownership of the Royal Palladium Theater. And Sherman is like, well, I can't just send you original documents. I mean, they're priceless. Um, But he promises that he'll look and see if there's anything he can send. So, again, it's kind of the hurry up and wait situation. Like, no, you know, just twiddling my thumbs over here. No big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Not like, you know, I'm literally on the clock trying to solve this. Don't have time to find trying to find my missing friend and trying to beat the clock. But before the building gets, you know, crumbled to the ground. Yeah, exactly. So we get off the phone with Sherman and we're hopeful that he can help us with something, no matter what it is. At this point, we're not quite sure what he might find. So Nancy tells us 
latest update to Nick and he's in, incredibly excited about, you know, what we might potentially find out. Um, then we go back and we talk to Simone again and she talks about how much she loves the missing posters and how Brady is out um, plastering the town and the surrounding areas within 50 miles of the posters. And that, of course, she scheduled a press conference. Perfect. It's almost like it's almost like she's just sitting there looking pretty. Yeah. Wow. Thinking <laughs> of the next thing that she can do to, you know, screw this all up. Pretty much. Yeah. So she talks about how she thinks that the funeral wreath was awful as well. Um, but she moved it outside so that the press could see it. Like, why is there a funeral funeral wreath to begin with? Right. Like it's so it's like in such poor taste. Like they think that uh, Maya is actually going to die in the building. Like how depressing is that? Like, not liking that. No, that's, that's for sure. So we finish the conversation with Simone. We head back to the men's dressing room and Brady is back. And so Nancy asks Brady about the press pass. She kind of thanks him for finding it. And she asks him where he found it. And at first he says the basement, but then he backtracks and he says the balcony. Hmm. Which one is it? Balcony yeah. or basement? Yeah. What's your story? Why'd you lie? Yep. So we finished that conversation. And if you go back into the lobby and into the ticket booth, you can actually sit in the ticket booth and listen to the entirety of the press conference. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know if you ever did that when you played the game. I think I did. Yeah. And yeah, I, just... I like doing that because I was nosy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> I think, like, now that I've played Nancy Drew, I'm, like, kind of nose starting to be more nosy because Nancy was nosy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, huh, maybe I'll be more nosy, too. Yeah, I'm telling you, everything that I've learned in my adult life, I can, almost all of it, I can circle back to Nancy Drew, whether it be from the books or the games. Thank you, Nancy. Yes. Yeah, she has taught me. A thing or two. <laughs> yeah. So that's one thing you can do. You can listen to um, the press conference. You don't have to. It doesn't affect the gameplay to my knowledge. Um, but that's also a good time because everybody's out there. Simone's out there, obviously. Brady is out there, obviously. You can hear Nick disguising his voice and asking questions just to be a pain in the butt. And Joseph was out there for crowd control. So that means it's time to snoop. What better time to snoop around, Candace, than when everyone's outside? <laughs> exactly. So, again, one of my favorite parts of this game. So what I did was I went straight up to the women's dressing room and I went, like, head first into Simone's backpack. Yep. Because I had a feeling that. that I'd find something good in there. Oh, yeah. What better so, place to look for something than in a woman's purse or bag? I'm telling you. I mean, you never know what you're going to find. I don't know about you, but like I am notorious for carrying huge bags and filling them all the way up. Like you never know what you might find in my purse. Yeah. 
that's just kind of how I am. Like if I have the space, I'm going to fill it up with stuff. Yeah. Cause you never know. So I go into her bag and the first thing that I see is her PDA, which again, ages this game. <laughs> that was so long ago. Um, for people that don't know what a PDA is, it's uh, called a personal digital assistant. And I mean, for back in the early 2000s, late 90s era, it was kind of like an iPad or a tablet, kind of like a phone. I don't think you can make phone calls on it. It was more like note taking, uh, calendaring, that kind of thing. But it was real big back then. I don't know if you remember or not. A little bit. Because I was like in 2001, I like when this game came out, I was three. I was a month away from turning four. Mm-hmm. And, and so like even when I was a kid, I remember my mom had like a pager. Oh, my God. Know? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like I remember like those like not, you know, too much in detail about them. But like I know what kind of like they are. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, my dad had a PDA and it was kind of weird. Like I never knew why he had one because it wasn't like he worked in like an office kind of setting. Like my dad works on cars. Like, I don't know why he felt the need to have a PDA. I don't think he used it very much. Um, it usually just stayed in one of his drawers in his desk. So but I remember that distinctly from my, my childhood, because when I was a kid, I would play with it and like leave him notes and stuff on it. But um, yeah, that kind of ages me. I feel like again, but that's okay. Um, so we, <laughs> we open up her PDA and she's got like lots of cards in there. Cause it's like in a card holder kind of scenario. And what do we find in the bag, but a receipt from a florist. For a funeral wreath. And she's acting all innocent and doesn't know it's, you know, why it's there and such a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, shut your mouth, Simone. Yeah. You <laughs> You're spent $300 on it. But, okay. <laughs> Tell me how horrible it is. Yeah. You're not helping yourself here, lady. <laughs> no, no. And so here I am in my head the first time I'm playing this game thinking, oh, man. This is the nail in the coffin. This is it. It's Simone. (laughs) Thinking that I have it all, you know, planned out in my head. So I put the PDA back and then I find her digital camera. So I start clicking through those pictures. And what do we find? But a picture in the basement with Maya's press pass on the floor. Hmm. Oh, boy. Mm Mm-hmm. Just not looking good for Simone. It's not. And then she takes a picture of Brady holding it in the basement, smiling. And then you keep scrolling through the pictures and you see a picture of him holding the press pass in the main part of the theater. And then there's another picture of him standing in the balcony, but he has like an angry look on his face. And then you go to the next picture and he's holding the press pass again in the balcony, but he's smiling. It's almost like he's getting tired of taking the picture. Exactly my thought. (laughs) 100% my thought. 
he's like tired of Simone's antics and he's like, just hurry up and get this over with. Like, I'm done taking pictures. I'm done dealing with your mess. Like, let's move along. And then that goes back to two where he's like, huh? Oh yeah. I found it in the basement. No wait, I found it on the balcony. Exactly. <laughs> Which makes me think that it was, they found it in the basement, but Simone said, no, let's say the balcony. Why she would say that, I don't know. Yeah. And Maybe why would it more be a dramatic effect? I don't know. And why would it be in either one of those places when Maya disappeared from Brady's dressing room? Exactly. Like <laughs> it it doesn't make sense, at least in my brain. It for me too. Makes absolutely no sense at all. So we finish up looking in the women's dressing room and then I headed over to the men's dressing room and got into the little vanity drawer and found the book on the, um, the stagehand technician book and started flipping through that and figured out how to lower the cages, the iron cages for that magic trick that took place on the stage. So I see the code handwritten in there and I assumed that that was a code that I had to put in to make that trick work. So I, at that point, think that I have everything that I need out of the men's dressing room. So I walk out and go to head towards the projector room and then we get another creepy message over the PA system saying that essentially we're running out of time. Hello, I know we're running out of time. I don't need a scary voice to remind me of that. Like that voice does not help at all. (laughs) No, it just stresses me out. So here I am all anxious as like an 11 or 12 year old playing this game, trying to out like out or on the clock to save Maya. So I go into the projector room and I start looking around in there and um, I'm able to get the, the cages lowered and get the, to where it stays so that we can go and, you know, take a look at that. But I figure, Hey, since Joseph isn't here, I can go ahead and snoop in his stuff. And then that's where we find out that Joseph lied to us. Like this, all these guys are just like one lie after another, man. (laughs) Yeah. This is the point in the game where I'm like, oh my God, I don't know actually who did this because now I'm learning more and more information and learning that things I was told before are not true. So I don't really know what to think. So what we learn is that Joseph does have a brother named Jake and he lived in Arizona And notice that I said lived and not lives because his brother had actually passed away. Yeah. So the story of Joseph going to Arizona to start a movie theater with his brother once the theater is demolished was actually a lie. Almost almost sounded like a fantasy in a way, too. It did. It did. This is sad. Yeah. It really is sad. I felt bad for Joseph in that moment because, you know, like he had that dream of dupe, maybe, you know, making the theater with his brother. But at the same time, like, 
his brother's not alive anymore. Exactly. But he made it seem like he was. Yeah. So it's like, I feel sorry for him, but now I'm also very suspicious of him. So it's like a double-edged kind of sword. And I'm like, Uh, after like all these people lying, I'm like, I don't believe any one of these people, like what they tell me. No, no. Now I'm suspicious of everyone. Yeah. So now that I think I've learned everything that I need to learn since everyone was gone to the press conference, I make my way into the stage and start checking out these cages that I've pulled down and realize that you can climb down into them. And you realize then that it takes you to uh, what they call the magician's room, which I guess is um, if you're familiar with like acting and theater and things of that nature, um, actors, when they are not ready to go on stage yet, will go and sit in what they call a green room. And so I guess that that is kind of like what the magician's room was meant to be was like a, a area to kind of prepare before you go on stage to perform. Um, so we see like a peephole and we look through there and we see Maya's legs. Oh my God. She's alive. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh my God, is this it? And then the next thing I know, the, um, trap doors from the cages closed by themselves and we're like trapped in there. Ah, dang it. (laughs) And I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, I'm stuck down here under the stage. No one knows I'm down here. At least so I thought. So I'm like walking around trying to figure out how to get out of there. And then I realized, oh, there's like a little elevator kind of reminiscent of like the first game secrets can kill when you had to go into the boiler room. So I'm thinking maybe I need to use this elevator and see if there's a way out. And so we bang kind of on the ceiling for lack of a better word. And that's actually um, in the seating area of the theater. And you hear Joseph's voice because he says he's working on one of the chairs. It wouldn't be a Nancy Drew game or even a book if Nancy didn't get stuck somewhere. (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, that's always the scenario. She gets locked or trapped somewhere. Um, She gets knocked out somehow. Or just in general stranded somewhere. Happens yeah. in every game, every book. At least once. <laughs> At least once, if not more. Yeah. So I'm Joseph- surprised like Nancy probably has had so many like injuries and concussions and stuff from all these. I events. know. I know. And it's like in the books when that happens, she admits that she's injured. Like if she has a concussion or something, but like in the games, when she gets knocked out, they like glaze over it. Like, like she wasn't bleeding. She didn't have a concussion. She didn't have broken bones or anything like that. It's just like, she gets knocked out. She's asleep for a while and back up and ready to go. Like, no, that's <laughs> Nancy's good, but she's not that good. <laughs> it's almost like she's super- out, we're going to be hurt. It's like, she's a superhuman or something. I know. It's kind of crazy how they just gloss over that. Yeah. But she knocks on the ceiling. Joseph appears and it's creepy because he's like right in your face. Like, hey, how's it going? (sighs) Yeah. 
and he gives you like a can of like WD-40 degreaser to solve the puzzle at the end of the hallway and then disappears, doesn't offer to help you. You're on your own, sucker. (laughs) Yeah, like figure it out. Here's this oil to help you degrease. Okay, cool. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Just under the stage. Oh, man. So we go and we solve that puzzle and we are able to get into the magician's room. And of course, by the time we get in there, Maya's gone. Yeah. So close and yet so far away. Yeah. So her shoe is left behind and some pizza boxes are left behind. So at least she wasn't being starved. That's true. So that was a good thing. So at this point, Nancy's thinking, okay, this has got to be enough for the police to come. So she exits out of the magician's room and we're in the regular part of the basement that we were in earlier. But as we're heading to the exit, she notices that the door is closed and it's now electrified. How perfect. Oh my gosh. Everything is a problem. I mean, every time she turns around a corner, there's something that's stopping her from doing what she needs to do. All the time. Yes. So we get through that puzzle, which, and this is one thing that I hate about this puzzle is that it's randomized. So every time you play the game, it's going to be a different combination of numbers. Yeah. So sometimes it'll take you longer times than others to solve it. So, once we eventually get out, another jump scare, Brady is there. <laughs> who's, like, who's next? <laughs> yeah, like, this game was kind of heavy on the jump scares. And I know that they weren't, like, like scary jump scares. But when you're not expecting a character to show up, like, it can still make you jump. Oh, yeah. So, um. Nancy, of course, is super excitable. We found Maya's shoe. There were pizza boxes down there. I saw her. I know it was her. I can't talk to you any longer. I have to call Sergeant Ramsey. Mm -hmm. So Nancy essentially shoves Brady out of the way. (laughs) So she get out of here, party boy. Yeah, like I'm done with you. You're you're taking up enough of my time. So Nancy calls Sergeant Ramsey. And at this point he sounds even more finished with her. Like he is just so done. He doesn't want to talk about Maya anymore. He doesn't want to deal with Nancy anymore. Um, When she says that she found Maya, he's like, yes, I don't have to deal with this anymore. And then Nancy's like, just kidding. She disappeared again. (laughs) You can hear the frustration in his voice. You thought you were done with me, but you are not. No, no, not by any means. So Nancy tells Sergeant Ramsey that she found the pizza boxes and she found Maya's shoe. And so he's like, okay, fine. It's been long enough. You found evidence that she's supposedly there. Let me find an available car and I'll send someone right away. Awesome. So we leave the ticket booth. And we go and talk to Joseph and we tell Joseph, Hey, I found Maya. 
he asks where she's at and then we say she disappeared again and then he tries to make us think we're crazy he asks if we just imagine seeing her Wait, and Nancy's like no <laughs> Nancy's like no I saw her with my own eyes she's yeah. here oh yeah so Joseph is like well maybe you should you know get some sleep tomorrow's going to be a big day whatever so then it fades into black and then we go back and we're day three third and final day yes so the stress is on um the first thing that we see is a newspaper that has a picture of maya and it says that the kidnapper demands fifty thousand dollars totally out of left field like no just no 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 (laughs) so we kind of glaze over that because it seems like a red herring like someone just jumping on the bandwagon trying to have their 15 minutes of fame so we go and we talk to joseph because joseph said that he was going to wait for the police so that nancy could go and get sleep so we go and try to get an update from him And he says that the police were not able to find anything when they came, but there were no pizza boxes and Maya's shoe could not be found. That That makes it even more. Yeah. (laughs) Like where did that stuff go? We saw it. Like I wouldn't trust anybody else with that stuff. Like I would personally wait until the police got there so I could show them and talk to them. Exactly. So after that conversation, we're all upset, you know, Um, we start heading to the backstage to where the dressing rooms are to talk to Brady and we almost get hit by a falling Klieg light. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, it's getting so real. This is the final day. Like we've got to figure it out. Things are just, so, like, happening left, right, and center, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's getting, like, real nerve-wracking at this point. So, we go in the men's dressing room, and Brady has the audacity to ask Nancy if she's hanging out with Nick. Who cares? Not your business. No. Not by any means. I can do what I want. Exactly. So we get frustrated with Brady. He ends up leaving. And when we go back to his dressing room, his bag is in there and the book that he was reading. Cause when you go in there, he's like leaning against the wall, reading a book, but you can't really see what the book is. Um, but when we go back in there, that book that he's reading is about projecting confidence. And he's like written a bunch of notes in it. Um, and like, you know, kind of making fun of Simone. And so you can tell that he's kind of like put off by what she does and like her tactics of trying to, you know, make him famous and get him jobs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we do what Nancy always does and we snoop in his bag that just is sitting there and we find that he has Maya's notebook. Oh boy. Not looking too good for Brady at this point. It's like everyone is almost digging their own graves. Yeah. No, they really are at this point. Um, yeah. So 
as we're looking in his bag, you hear the door behind you open and Brady confronts you. And the first time I was playing this game, I was like, oh my God, this is the end scene. This is it. And mm, not quite. So what we do find out though, is that Brady's real last name is not Armstrong, that that's a stage name. His real last name is Thompson. And he's actually the great nephew of J.J. Thompson, the guy who built the theater originally. It's like this whole, this is like a whole family affair, like this whole game. (laughs) Yeah. And I had absolutely no idea. Yeah. (laughs) So we find out that Brady's thought about the theater is that it's a money pit because it's like in so far into disrepair that it would take a lot of money to try to fix it up. And so his idea was he wanted to turn it basically into a themed restaurant. Oh man. So Nancy has like a major freak out at Brady and he leaves again, again. (laughs) And so we're pretty much done with him at that point. Um, we go to the, um, lobby and we find out that we actually got a package from Sherman with the library of Congress. And he sent us a slide of information to look at. So now we're going to have to look at the projector. Um, In the projector room, there was a book that went along with the projector and it had like where a key was in there to actually like get into the mechanism of the projector, but that key was missing so we got a pencil out of Brady's bag and you were able to like do a shading where that key was. And there was a key making machine that for the entire game was out of order. But now, you know, magnificently when we need it, it's working. So we were able to make a key to fit that lock and we get the key made and we take it up there and open it up and realize that the bulb in the projector is bad. So we have to replace the bulb. And then we find out that there's actually a slide that was locked in there. And you put that slide in the projector so you can view it, but it's out of focus. So you have to adjust the focus knob. And then of course the focus knob falls off onto the floor because nothing is ever easy in these games. It's like one thing after another that happens. There's always 10 steps (laughs) in order to get to what you're actually trying to do. Can it just be like one or two steps and then it's done? No, it never (laughs) is, though. It never (laughs) is. It takes forever. So the knob falls on the floor. So, of course, you have to bend down and get it. And it actually, like, goes underneath some of, like, the sound equipment. And then when you're down there trying to reach for it, you see that there's a voice disguise machine. And you're like, wait a minute. This isn't right. And then you see that there's like a tape recorder with a tape in it. And you hit play. And all of a sudden you hear Joseph's voice. And he's saying the exact same thing that he was saying at exactly the same moment that Maya disappeared. And at that point, I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) this must be endgame. (laughs) Oh. So 
we are able to back away from that and we pick up the focus knob and we put it back on the projector. And lo and behold, the slide that was hidden in the projector was actually the blueprints for the theater. Oh, we could have had that a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. But at least when viewing it, we find out that there's another secret passageway that is right there in that projector room. Which is cool. Yes. So at this point, I guess we can go ahead and say, spoiler alert for the end of the game. It's Joseph. Joseph's the bad guy. He is. In this moment, he walks in on Nancy and is acting like the theater is not going to be demolished that day. He's talking about how he's really going to start cleaning up and getting the place organized and how he thinks it could use a fresh coat of paint. And Nancy's like, um, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like this place is, you know, going to be demolished in like a few minutes, you know? So he locks Nancy in the room. I guess not realizing that he, um, not realizing that she knows now that there's a secret passageway in there. And so she gets that secret passageway opened and gets up in there and finds another safe in the wall. And now is when we use that key from earlier. And then we find a bunch of keys hanging up in there and some notes where Harry Houdini had transferred his half of the theater to Nick's grandmother da, 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 da. in an amazing <laughs> turn of events, which means that Brady is not the full owner of the theater and therefore can't make the decision for the theater without the consent of the other owner. That was a turn of events, huh? <laughs> yeah, it really was. I didn't know it was going to go that way. So that really kind of saved the day. So we get the key and we go to the end of like the hallway in that secret passage and we open the door and we turn around and we find Maya and she's in like some kind of like glass area. Yeah. And so we try to use a sledgehammer to break her free and that doesn't work. So looking around the room, trying to figure out how to get her. And we see that there's a way that you can like flip the switch and turn on the marquee for the theater. And then all of a sudden Joseph pops up again. Oh boy. Because of course he does. Of course he does. And so he talks about how he didn't mean for it to go this way and that, you know, they're all going to go down in a blaze of glory. And Nancy's like, nah, not so fast. Not me. Not Maya. I'm not, we're not dying today, buddy. No, no, <laughs> not today. So Nancy saves the day and uses that magic trick that we got from the, the creepy ventriloquist dummy down in the basement and it blinds Joseph and he moves out of the way. So we're able to turn the marquee on and stop the demolition. Yay. And that brings us to the end of the game where Nancy is again writing a letter and she explains how Joseph goes to jail 
and Simone gets in trouble with the National Press Corps for her stunt with the uh, funeral wreath. And if you notice that they show like tabloids and stuff, if you notice on one of them, there's mention of Scarlet Hand. Did you catch that? No. I didn't. Yeah, there is. Um, so that's like a little Easter egg to um, the next game, Secret of the Scarlet Hand. Um, so like I said, Joseph goes to jail. Simone gets in trouble for buying that wreath. Um, Brady decided to be the good guy and donated his half of the theater to the historical society, who in turn is going to work on, um, restoring the theater to its former glory. And Woo-hoo. the premiere is back on for Vanishing Destiny. Look at that. So everybody had a happy ending, except for Joseph. Yeah. Which he didn't deserve, but I felt bad for him at the same oh, time. Yeah. So that's essentially the game. Um, yeah. Like I said, one of my favorites really enjoyed it. Um, I was going to, I found a website in all of my research um, for this game. And um, this website is called, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. So I'm just going to spell it. A-T-A-N-I-E-L dot org. And it has um, spoilers. So if, you know, if you made it this far and we've already spoiled the game, then you can look at this website. But (laughs) (laughs) one of the things I got really tickled with was it lists all of the death scenarios in this game. And there's not many. There's only one, two, three, four, four. Or five. So not too many. So I thought I would read them real quick. Um, The first one, you can fall to your death if you lean over the balcony when you're trying to grab the loose gear for too long. Um, It's the most visually interesting death scene because the camera twists around as you fall. Wow. So I don't know if you've ever done that because you know how when you're reaching for that, you have the wand, the magic wand with the gum at the end. If you try to reach over for that without having that in your hand, Nancy's like, I can't quite reach. And then if you try it a second time, that's when you topple over the balcony. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I did that by accident. It really was by accident because it was the first time I was playing the game. (laughs) Um, You can be killed by the falling Klieg light backstage if you walk under it rather than looking up. Mm. Yeah. That happens as well. (laughs) Um, <laughs> I don't intentionally try to kill Nancy in these games. It's just sometimes my brain's not working all the way. Um, the third way you can be electrocuted by touching the electrified metal door without wearing the rubber gloves that you got in the magician's room in that trunk. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, at the end of the game, you can be killed by the wrecking ball if your time runs out. And if you're standing in the room with Maya, when that happens, you'll actually see the wrecking ball come crashing through the wall. Jeez. Yeah. Did that one again by accident. Cause I just didn't move fast enough. <laughs> oh man. 
And then the last way that you can die, you don't really die this time, but you get caught is at the very end when the police are doing their last walk through the building to make sure everyone's out. If you don't hide in that closet in the projector room and the police catch you, then it goes to the second chance menu. Wow. <laughs> yep. So those are all the ways that um, you would have to take a second chance at the game. Um, I think those are all the ways. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure those are all the ways. So um, that's about it. Uh do you have any final thoughts on this game? I liked it. You know, like, I kind of wish that I was able to go to, like, this kind of a theater, you know, and... Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, I haven't been to, like, an old-fashioned theater like this before. So it's, like, if I was able, like, if I got the chance to go, I would go in a heartbeat. Oh, me too. Yeah. 100%. So... Um, before we wrap this up, I would like to mention um, we had uh, a comment on our River Heights Buzz Instagram where uh, Alexa posted that we were going to be talking about the final scene today. Um, we asked for anybody to just, you know, post their thoughts in general, what they liked about the game, what they didn't like about the game, uh, just any general thoughts. And we had someone I'm going to try my best not to butcher this name. I think they pronounce it Allie D24, A-L-Y-D-E-E-2-4. They commented, I like Nick Falcone's mandals. And then she put in parentheses, mandals equals man sandals, if you're not familiar with the terminology. <laughs> I got so tickled because I went back and looked at his shoes and I was like, oh my God. Nick is ahead of his time because he was wearing sandals that looked like Birkenstock sandals, like the, you know, the popular sandals right now. I got so tickled. I was like, oh my God, he's really ahead of his time. <laughs> he's so fashionable right now. Cause not only is he wearing those sandals, but he's wearing camo. <laughs> Look at that. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, right oh. now you guys that are listening can't see it, but I'm wearing olive green, like army green kind of color it's like the it color it's did you do that like because you're talking about the game candace actually it was totally unintentional i swear to god like i picked this shirt out last night and to try to you know because it's always like a mad dash in the morning when i'm trying to get ready for work because like my husband's trying to get ready i gotta feed the dogs and make sure that they get fed and go out potty and whatever before we go to work for the day. So what I try to do is like set out an outfit the night before one less yeah. thing I have to do in the morning. Uh, it was just a happy accident. I guess I'm just trying to like be Nick today, I guess. <laughs> Man. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did tell you, this is one of my favorite games. So maybe subconsciously I was just trying to do that. <laughs> you never know like I said my brain works in mysterious ways and that that's all there is to it yeah <laughs> but um, other than I that like I said this is one of my favorite games um I'm really glad we got the chance to talk about it today yes me too um, 
kind of fitting. It's the end of November, but this game, you know, like we said earlier, did come out in November. So kind of fitting time to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to talk about another game. Me too. If, so, you, if listeners, if you want to suggest which game you want us to talk about next, if we have like a break or like whenever it is, let us know. In- yeah. Yeah. We're <laughs> always open to any kind of suggestion. Um, I think we'll be back to regular scheduled programming for next week. Um, but I mean, Hey, I'm always down to try something new. This was kind of like a guinea pig kind of scenario for us. Cause like, I mean, like we said, this is the first time we're talking about one of the games, but I don't know about you, Alexa, but I think it went pretty well. <laughs> I think it did too. <laughs> <laughs> if you are still listening, thank you so much. I'm sorry that I rambled for so long. We're almost at, at the two hour mark, Candace, like, and <laughs> I know. Yes, if you have listened to us for this long, thank you. Yeah, I owe you one. I really do. Hey, it's Nancy. We could go on and on about her. Girl, I'm telling you, like, (laughs) for days, I could talk about her. Um, I do have a quote that I like from the game from our best. If there's one thing your detective work proves every time, it's that old buildings are the keepers of old secrets. Oh, that's such a good quote. That's courtesy of Bess. I do like that one. Okay, so since you shared one, I'm going to share one of my favorite ones, and it comes from our girl, Simone. And it's when we first meet her, and we're going through, like, the secret passageway that we later on find out how Maya was taken out of the men's dressing room was through that. And um, so we're going through the wardrobe, and Simone says, hang on, Hal, I might have to cut this short. Someone just climbed out of my wardrobe. (laughs) And she says it so, like, nonchalant like that. And I'm like, oh, my God, if someone was coming out of somewhere in a room that I didn't realize was a secret passageway, I would not be that calm, cool, and collected about it. But, okay, Simone. I would be losing my mind. Exactly. But she was just like all business. (laughs) Oh man. So that is one quote that has stuck with me. It's definitely one of my favorites. Yes. (laughs) Well, thanks guys for hanging out with us for this long. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You guys should probably like go take a bathroom break and maybe go get a snack and you deserve it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's see how well, the next ones go. <laughs> I'm excited. But, Me too. you know, on that note, I guess I'll just take us out. And oh, uh, remember, fa- we made a Facebook group, guys. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. We made a Facebook group. Um, is it private right now? Yes. Okay. It's a private Facebook group and you need to um, request to join. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we'll let you in. Like <laughs> we're not, <laughs> not trying to discriminate or anything like that, but um, yeah, join in the fun. I mean, you never know what might happen in there. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be doing a giveaway really soon with our friend, Megan, Nancy Drew collector. 
Um, she has graciously offered up one of her mini boxes to us um, to give away. So um, we will discuss this week like rules for how you can enter to win that. And we'll make that information available um, maybe sometime this week. What do you think? Yeah. As soon as we, as soon as we decide, then we'll let you all know. Yeah. We'll try to finalize details on that um, sooner rather than later. And we'll get that information out to you. Um, and we'll link like her Instagram account and the, like the Facebook group and all the, our information in the descriptions. Yeah. So stay tuned yeah. for that. All that information will be there. Um, and like I had said before, Megan has an Etsy, but even if you can't support that, checking out her Instagram is amazing. Like I tell her all the time, her posts and like the way that she like styles her pictures is like, it's perfect. Love it. Yes. She is so talented. She really is. Like she really has an eye for putting this stuff together. Yeah. She's very creative. And one of her latest posts, she actually did like a almost like a rundown of like what to do when you get your mystery box. Mm -hmm. So so go check out that video. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You'll get lots of good information from her. Um, but if that's everything you have, Alexa, then I think I will, I'll uh, lead us out. Um, so thank you for listening to this week's episode of River Heights Buzz podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at River Heights Buzz, and you can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. And you can also check out our new Facebook group, like we just mentioned, um, request, and we will let you in for all of the fun of that. Uh, and check the, name, out the name of the Facebook group, if you're wondering, is the River Heights Buzz podcast central buzz yes which is a great name by the way um check us out next week as we dive into season three episode eight of nancy drew see you next week guys bye